each and every one of us. As we enter your presence, Lord, as you always, you always meet us there, so we just invite you, we become aware of you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Clap along. Follow Carla. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met. I was breathing but not. I try to hide it was my tomb till I met you and you called my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day Now your mercy has saved my soul And now your freedom is all that I know Oh, the old man knew Jesus when I met you And you called my name And I To your glorious day, and you 
and thank you, Lord, for saving us. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you jesus the name above every other name Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you.
Let's sing a song in your own words. Just, it's just you and Jesus right now. It's just an opportunity to, to sit in his presence. Just tell him how worthy he is.
lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did. That grace appeared the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. song. It is our song. It is your song. It's the gospel. It is our testimony. It's what you've done and who we are. And you are faithful, Lord, and we are so thankful. So, so thankful. Lord, I pray that um, for those who 
don't understand the amazing grace that we've been singing about, Lord, I pray that you would minister that truth to each person. The truth is we're saved from the penalty of our sin. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so the grace of God that has been extended to humanity is available to wipe away every sin, to cover every mistake, and to welcome us into the kingdom of God. And so I pray that those who need to hear that message today or need to rehear that message today would be refreshed in that truth. And I pray that people will be added to the kingdom as a result of that gospel song that we were just singing, Lord. And God, that people would respond with a yes to your grace and yes to your love, yes to your, your, your plan for their lives, Lord God. So we just invite you to continue that good work that you're doing, God, as people watch online and listen online and sit around this campus. Lord, we just pray your will be done. Thank you for your grace. We love you. We need you. We appreciate it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Welcome. How is everyone? Fabulous, good to hear. I'm back, I've been, I was gone for the last couple of weeks and I'm so glad to be back. I don't even know that I stepped foot in this sanctuary for the last two weeks and so when I got here this morning, it was so refreshing to be back and just so good to be back in this place. I've been, I've been doing like a staycation, which has been great. Um, been, you know, at, at the project a little bit but not really at church much um, and so it's been great to be, it's great to be back today. Um, as, I was, as we were singing that last song, I couldn't help but think about what's happening a week from Monday, a week from tomorrow. A week from Monday, a week from tomorrow is M6, which is a group, a gathering of a bunch of men from all over the Central Coast to gather once a month to have great food, worship together, and then have a testimony. And um, a few months ago, I was asked to give my testimony at M6 this next time, so, or uh, this in August, and uh, so... That is my plan, but for months I've been thinking, Lord, what is my testimony? What part of the test, my testimony do you want me to share? I, I just, I was, I've been kind of at a loss, and what keeps coming back to me is that song, Amazing Grace. And so it's really amazing that we were singing that today, because I feel like the amazing grace of God, it, the truth is, it's, it's, he saved a wretch like me. I was lost, and now I'm found. I was blind, and now I see. Isn't that our testimony? If we know Jesus, that is our testimony, right? And God is so faithful to meet us where we are, to resurrect us, and to give us new life in Jesus. And so, um, I'm, beyond that, I'm not sure what I'm gonna share a week from tomorrow, but uh, guys, if you wanna come out and be a part of that, that'd be amazing. It's at Thousand Hills Ranch. It's gonna be just a lot of fun. Hundreds of guys show up, and great food is prepared, and we just have a wonderful time, so... Um, how many uh, have been just praying every day for this 102? How many know what 102 is? 102 is our building, which is literally 45 seconds east of us as, as we walk uh, along the sidewalk there. And 102 is a building that we have leased and we're uh, praying about trying to buy and that sort of thing. But we're in this tenant improvement phase, which has been going for two or three months now, three months, I think. And we'll probably be going for three, four more months. And, uh, but so far... Um, we've got uh, most of the electrical roughed in, we've got most of the fire sprinklers in, we've got the HVAC system in, um, we are, we've done a lot of stucco repair, we're going to paint the exterior next week, um, we've picked out floors and colors and bought chairs and 
sound equipment and all kinds of stuff that's going in. So can I do, can I ask you what I asked my staff to do, the staff here at the church? I said, hey, let's not forget to pray every single day for that project. It's a big undertaking for us as a church, but I know that as we gather together and uh, just make it a priority to pray every day for it, then God will give us the favor that we need with the city, and they've been amazing to us, by the way. The city of AG has been really, really good to us, but prayed for continued favor there with our architect, with our uh, contractors, with our suppliers, with everybody involved. Pray for safety and provision. At the beginning of the project, I challenged everybody. I said, if, if every family within the church, there's roughly 300 families, if every family gave $700 per family, not per person, but per, per family, then we could meet our budget over there. So, so far we've raised in excess of 170,000, and uh, so God has been so, so faithful, and you guys have been so amazing. So if you haven't had the opportunity to give yet, and you would like to give, um, just mark your check, uh, 102, and w God told me this, I felt like the Lord said, you will have the resources that you need as you move forward. And so far, the money that we've needed has been there. Every bill that comes in gets paid right away, and everything that's needed has been able to be, be purchased, and it's just been really, really good. So, so be continually praying. If you could just write it down somewhere where you see every day, like maybe on your bathroom mirror, pray for 102, and just pray for those things that we've been talking about. That'd be amazing. Hey, we're in 2 Timothy, back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 today, verses 15 through 26. I titled the message, How Do We Gain God's Approval? How do we gain God's approval? Now, we're not talking today about salvation. We are saved by grace through faith. It has nothing to do with our works, but we receive God's approval. We receive God's approval of our life and work by what? we do. So there's a difference, and we're going to be talking about the difference today. Salvation by grace through faith rewards approval of God comes through the works that we do. So a child, if you've got kids or whatever, I, we raised our kids, but as they were growing up, we would discipline them out of our love for them. We love them enough to discipline them because at times their behavior wasn't acceptable. So we would discipline them so that they would learn what good behavior is. Now, God said, the Bible says that God disciplines those whom he loves, and the discipline actually demonstrates that we belong to God, that we are his adopted sons and daughters. And so uh, we know that God has a standard and has given us each responsibility in the earth. And I always say, if you've got a pulse, You've got purpose, and so do that real quick. My pulse is good. Their pulse equals purpose, right? So if you got a pulse, that's good because we don't have to call anybody to take you out, but uh, you got purpose. So God has given each of us a spiritual gift to be used, and then at the end of time, at the end of our uh, existence here on the earth, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account for our lives. And so we will each stand before the Lord and receive rewards or not based on how we lived our lives here in the earth. So we're going to be talking about gaining God's approval, steps to gaining God's approval so that when we stand before the judgment seat of God, uh, Gary was talking about that, we're at that judgment seat, we're going to receive crowns, but then after that, we just cast it before the Lord and worship, uh, worship to him. So um, as we look at this text in 2 Timothy today, we're going to just kind of unpack it a little bit. 
or a lot of it and find three points that will help us to gain God's approval. Number one, it comes right from the text, be a good worker, be a good worker. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, 15 through 26 says this, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval, right? <laughs> so it's kind of, if you've never thought about getting the approval of God, if you thought, well, God obviously approves of me, he saved me, and I, it doesn't really matter how I live my life, that's not God's plan. It actually matters how we live our life. He's actually placed us in the earth to accomplish the kingdom work that he's given us to accomplish. So Paul is telling Timothy, and he's telling the church at Ephesus there 2,000 years ago, and he's telling us today here on the Central Coast in 2021, he said, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. So we have this responsibility to work in such a way. So point number one, be a good worker. Verse 15 continues, be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So pretty specific uh, communication there. What is Paul telling Timothy? He's, how is Paul instructing Timothy to be a good worker? He's, we need to know because he's instructing us to do the same thing. He said, be one who does not need to be ashamed. What does that mean? Well, we need to have a clear conscience. We need to move forward as followers of the Lord Jesus, having a clear conscience concerning the work that we do for God. We have been called to kingdom purpose, kingdom work, and we need to have a clear conscience that the work we're doing for God is what he has asked us to do. Uh, this week I heard about a, a young lady who went to Cornell University, graduated from college, got an uh, engineering degree, top 10 in her class, amazing young lady, started her engineering career, doing great work, but she didn't enjoy it. It wasn't her passion. So she decided that she would quit her amazing engineering job that she got, um, that she had uh, secured, and she decided, I wanna go back to school and get my teaching credential because I wanna teach math. That's what she was passionate about, right? So. I think God gives us passion for our vocation, but then also for the work that he's called us to do in the earth. And it's that passion that gives us the ability to do the work that God has called us to long term. When we're working out of the passion that God has put into us, then we're able to do for decades what God has asked us to do. So that at the end of our lives, we hear, well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. So... Paul is instructing Timothy to be a good worker by not being ashamed. Have a clear conscience concerning the work you do for God. Work with all your heart as you do your work as unto the Lord. Invest your life with passion into the work you are called to. So make sure that the life you're living as a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is not going to lead to your shame, meaning uh, sins of omission where God has called you to do something but you didn't do it, or sins of commission, where you just flat refuse to honor the Lord with your life, you're gonna stand before the Lord and give an account, and you're gonna have to give an account for every second, minute, hour, day, week, month, decade, your whole life. Your whole life is being recorded, and you're gonna have to give an account for your life. So Paul told Timothy, be one who does not need to be ashamed. Also, be one who correctly explains 
the word of truth or handles the word of truth. The Greek verb translated correctly, handles, really means cutting a straight road and suggests straightforward exegesis. Exegesis is the study of God's word, the uh, understanding, gaining the understanding. It's a process through which you gain understanding and, 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 and teach the word of God. In other words, don't read into the text something that isn't there. You need to understand how to exegete the text. You need to understand how to open up the scripture. Now, basically what you do is you just let scripture interpret scripture. You open up the word of God and make sure that what you're understanding about this passage is actually properly reflected in the rest of the scripture as well. And there's a lot more to it but you need to properly handle the word of God so you know how to live it for yourself, but then also know how to instruct it for others. You say, well, I'm not an instructor. I'm not a teacher. Every one of us teach, teaches someone. Every one of us. I ran into this couple recently, and if you go back in their lives a few years ago, they were on fire for Jesus. They just loved Jesus. Jesus. They started out their married life that way. They just love, love Jesus. And just over time, they've drifted and they have completely fallen away from the Lord. So I saw this couple recently and I said, they've got a couple kids and I saw one of their kids and I said, you know what? I said, you know who loves you? And uh, little, little kid said, well, you do. And I said, well, I know I love you and you know that I love you, but do you know who, who else loves you? I said, Jesus loves you. And this little, little girl had no idea who Jesus was. She said, who is Jesus? I said, well, Jesus is God and he loves you. She said, God's not real. That's not true. We're all teaching, instructing someone in our lives, whether it be our kids, our grandkids, our neighbors, co-workers we're all instructing and so we have to properly correctly handle the word of truth in order to effectively do the work that God has called us to do here in the earth in other words don't read into the text something that isn't there I know a guy who is always giving me hypotheticals I if you know me at all you know I don't like hypotheticals well what if I like just want the facts just like give me the facts I, if I'm in a meeting with my staff or my team and they're wanting to give me all this information about about what they're doing. I said, I don't, I, that's not my place. I don't, that's not my job. We've got people in place for that. People, you know, tracking your goals and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Just tell me what you need. <laughs> bottom line it for me because you're gonna lose me in about three seconds if you don't bottom line it for me. So I've got this guy who's always, and I've known many of these guys throughout my life, they're giving me all of these hypotheticals about God's word. Well, what if? Why not? Could it be? This type of hypothetical questioning to me yields only unhealthy speculation. And in my experience, now this is just my experience, you can throw it out if you want, but in my experience, the fruit of that kind of conversation is a fruitless life. The people I've encountered over the years who talk like this and think like this don't ever grow up in their faith because their hypothetical questions are always getting in the way of them truly believing and being obedient to God's word. The people I've encountered over the years who talk like this and think this like this, they don't ever grow, grow up. They remain childish and undisciplined and uninvolved in significant kingdom work. They don't attend church on a regular basis or they bounce from church to church. They don't get involved in long-term uh, ministry, they don't, give it, they don't give to kingdom work, and they tend to cause problems in the church. So Paul 
is exhorting Timothy and he's exhorting the rest of us, be one who does not need to be ashamed. In other words, don't make excuses for not doing what God has asked you to do. Do what God has asked you to do wholeheartedly with your whole life. Also, be one who correctly explains the word of truth. What's the opposite of correctly explaining the word of truth? Well, back to our text, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 16 says, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. So these type of hypotheticals, these excuses that we make or come up with that hinder our obedience to God and our belief in God and our faith in God lead to godless behavior. It says this kind of talk spreads like cancer. That word literally in the Greek is gangrene. So if you can get a good, a good picture of that, that's kind of a disgusting growth thing to just, you know, gross thing that kind of grows in your body when, you're, when there's unhealth involved or when there's infection and when it's unhealthy. This kind of uh, talk spreads like cancer, gangrene, as in the case of, and we get Hymenaeus and Philetus. They have left the path of truth, claiming that the resurrection of the dead has already occurred. In this way, they have turned some people away from the faith. So how do we gain God's approval? Number one, be a good worker, not ashamed of the work you do, rightly dividing the word of truth. Verse 19 says, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his and all who belong to the Lord may turn, must turn away from evil. So what does that mean? What is the foundation stone? But God's truth stands like a firm foundation stone. What is that foundation stone? There's no slides actually for these next verses here. I put them in this morning. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. And Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians as well, so he's speaking here. Because of God's grace to me, Paul wrote, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. So as an apostle, Paul would go around from town to town preaching the gospel, laying a foundation of truth and understanding about who Jesus Christ is, and churches were born out of that work. And after he left that town, others would come in and build on the foundation that he put down. Now other builders, the, the verse continues in verse 10, now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. No one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw, but on the judgment day, at the judgment seat of Christ, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward, the crowns that we're talking about. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through the walls of flames, through a wall of flames. So, I don't want to get into heaven that way, like barely, like singed, like smoking, like barely in there. Like I want to get in there, not because I'm good, but because God's good, but I want to know that my life has mattered and that my good works have not been burned up, that I haven't spent my life working um, in an unproductive way so that my good works are burned up. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says this, for we must for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that 
each may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So how do we gain God's approval? We gotta be a good worker. We have a responsibility. If you're here today and you don't know your responsibility, figure it out. Ask God. As I'm getting ready to leave to Denver this afternoon to go visit my dad. He's in the hospital, been there for a couple weeks, and I've been vacillating all week about whether I should fly to Denver today to go see him or if I should wait. And so finally late yesterday, my wife and I decided, yeah, it's going to be good for me to go, and I'm going to go and hopefully be an advocate for him as he's kind of not doing well. He's... Um, He's got heart issues and uh, dementia issues and all kinds of stuff going on. So, so as I was vacillating with it, I knew that the Lord would show me if I just continued to pray. If I just continued to think about the situation and pray about the situation, I knew, I knew that God would make it clear, and he did make it clear yesterday, so we booked the flights, and um, I'm heading out uh, this afternoon at 5.30. So the point in all of that is to say that if, if you're really wanting to know what God wants to speak to you about your calling and your gift set and all that he's got, you've got for you here on the earth, if you just continue to ask, ask and seek and knock, God will reveal his plan to you so that you can do the supernatural work that God has called you to do, gaining God's approval by being a good worker, number one. Number two, turn away from evil. How do we gain God's approval? We turn away from evil. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, verse 21, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Therefore, 22a says, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. How do we turn away from evil? I'm going to share some good practices with you today. John 15 talks about abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ. We, we get away from evil, we turn away from evil by simply abiding with Christ, remaining in Christ. If you go back and read John 15, you'll, you'll realize, you'll see that that's how fruitfulness happens as we abide in him and he abides in us. <clears throat> we will have a fruitful life. In fact, Jesus said, remain in me and I will remain in you. It goes with that verse that says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So as you remain in him, you will be able to turn away from evil and you will bear fruit. You will not be able to turn away from evil unless you're abiding in him. You might be able to white knuckle it for a little while and say no to the flesh, say no to the devil, say no to the world, but after you're done white-knuckling it, you're gonna give into it. But if you're abiding in Christ, walking daily with Jesus, you will have the strength and the ability to turn away from evil. This is the truth. You and I will never turn away from evil until we decide to abide in Christ. We will never bear fruit apart from abiding. Rocky Fleming from Influencers Global Ministries wrote this. It is actually Christ in us bearing fruit. It is his fruit and his characteristics that are at work. 
Without abiding in him, there is no fruit. However, bearing fruit is not our primary objective. Isn't that interesting? That's not our primary objective. Abiding in Christ is our primary objective. The fruit simply shows up when we are spiritually healthy. So how do we turn away from evil? We simply abide. And I say simply, it's not always simple, but it is the direction that God has given to us in the word. So if we abide in Christ and he in us, we will be able to turn away from evil. But we also need to do some other practical things that will help us to do that. So protect yourself, uh, protect yourself online. Uh, the internet is a wild, wild west of all kinds of information. Some of it's great, some of it's not so great. So if you are having a struggle with the internet, I would ask you to download on your computer something called Covenant Eyes. Um, Covenant Eyes is an accountability process where you get somebody else to hold you accountable for the um, information that you're looking at and watching and reading online. And that person will be communicated your content, the content of what you've been watching so that they can help hold you accountable. So protect yourself online. It's way too easy to stumble by going on the internet. So protect yourself. Protect your purity in other ways. There's other ways to protect your purity. There's pure desire groups. We've got men's pure desire groups that meet here every Monday night here on the campus. There's dozens of guys who show up because they're trying to turn away from evil doing the right thing. Also, you can grow in the knowledge and understanding of God through other Bible study groups that we have here um, on the Central Coast. And in this, in this church, there's tons of opportunities for men and women and young people and young professionals in college, uh, junior high and high school, fifth and sixth graders. There's all kinds of opportunities for people to grow in knowledge and understanding of God through the Bible study groups that we have available. Join a journey group. Join a journey group. I'm a part of a 6 a.m. journey group on Friday mornings. It is a terrible time of the day to have a Bible study. <laughs> I show up at 6 a.m. on Friday morning the first time. I'm like, what are you guys, crazy? Who in the world has a Bible study at 6 a.m.? That means I got to get up at 4.15 a.m. so that I can be at the Bible study by 6 a.m. It's, ridic- it's the middle of the night. <laughs> So for like four weeks in a row, I'm like, hey guys, let's move it from six o'clock to say nine o'clock when God is awake. <laughs> I'm not even sure God's awake at 6 a.m. He is, I'm kidding. But you know what? I, you, my point is we're often called to go do something or need to go do something that is inconvenient for us. Do it anyway. It has been such a blessing to be at that 6 a.m. group with those guys I complain about it still, but it's the, uh, <laughs> the fellowship and the growth that we have to experience together has been nothing short of delightful. We're about halfway through our journey, and we got another halfway to go, but we're just really, really enjoying it. So it may be inconvenient, a bad time, uh, maybe something your kind of flesh resists, but do something to get involved in a small group so that you can continue to grow and uh, believe and trust the Lord. So um, here we go. Here's some uh, uh, scriptural guidance for turning away from evil. Galatians 5, 16 through 26. My Bible titles this living by the Spirit's power. It says in verse 16, Galatians 5, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then 
you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, me too. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions, but when you are directed by the Spirit, and that's, that's part of the abiding process, you're abiding with Christ, the Spirit of God is in you, and you're being directed by the Spirit as you abide with uh, Jesus, the Lord, and great things begin to happen. There's just, there's transformation that begins to take place. There's great growth that begins to take place. Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the, des the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasure, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division. I'll continue. Envy. <laughs> Verse 21, envy. Drunkenness, wild parties, and, and other sins like these. Like that wasn't conclusive. Other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces, verse 22, this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but when I read that first list about all the sin, I was getting anxious. I'm like, holy cow, this is such heavy. But when I started, when I started reading the, the, the fruit of the Spirit... Peace. It's like everything settled down inside of me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the kind of stuff that God wants to accomplish and produce in our lives. We cannot experience this apart from abiding and allowing the Holy Spirit to direct our lives. Verse continues, there is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, verse 24 those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And so we abide with him. We simply means to remain with him. So you're connected to Jesus. You're walking with Jesus. You're inviting Jesus into your path, into your problems, into your challenges. You're asking for his wisdom and his grace and his strength. And so you're abiding with him. And out of that, the Spirit of God has access to your heart and mind and helps you to make wise choices and produce something of beautiful fruitfulness. Isn't that just God's, a great plan that God has for us? I think it's a great plan. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us, verse 26, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. How do we gain God's approval? Number one, be a good worker. Make sure the work that you're doing is kingdom work born out of a passion that God has given to you to do the work that he's called you to do. 
Uh, number two, turn away from evil. And then number three, do life, do life with like-minded people. Kind of like what we're doing today, gathered for church. The Bible says uh, in our text, verse 22, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. That's part of Paul's instruction to Timothy to enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with a pure heart. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens another. So we have this opportunity, and beyond the opportunity, we've got this responsibility, and beyond the responsibility, we've got an obligation to sharpen one another in Christ. And so we're challenging one another when we need to be challenged. We're loving each other through the difficult seasons of life. We're encouraging each other with truth. We're praying for each other as we go through uh, life. We're not just going to church together. We're not just hanging out with people who love Jesus, but we're living life in Christ together. It's not meant to be an external thing only, like a facade, like, hey, everything's good. Sometimes we show up and we're like, hey, everything's great. And sometimes we need to say that if, if there's no time to unpack it, but you can, it's okay to kind of get vulnerable with one another and say, hey, you know, I'm really, I, I need prayer. Like, I you can pray for me this, as I go up to Denver. Please pray. I'm going to be talking with my dad. It's hard conversations, talking with doctors. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult, so pray for me. And so that's what we need to be doing with one another, enjoying um, fellowship together as the church, supporting one another, carrying one another's burdens. You know, Jesus didn't have very fond things to say about those who thought they were religious but who lacked real-life change wrought by the Spirit. He didn't have much good to say to the Pharisees, those who were the religious teachers and leaders, but who hadn't experienced life change through Christ the Lord. This is what he said, Matthew 23, 27. What sorrow. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, Beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. Christianity was never about just, it was never meant to be just about kind of coming to church and even, even just reading the Bible or, or even just praying it's, or even just kind of doing good deeds. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's all of it <laughs> done out of a, a life that is abiding with Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit. Because as we abide with Christ and as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're able to do all of these things and thereby gain God's approval, living our lives in such a way that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And we receive the crowns, the rewards that God has for us, knowing that we didn't spend our life in vain, but God is approving of our life um, when it's all wrapped up. Back to Second uh, Timothy chapter two. Again, I say don't get, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. This is interesting. A servant of the Lord. Who, who's a servant of the Lord here? All right, if you're in Christ, you're a servant of the Lord. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> how do you not quarrel and how do you be kind to everyone? You do it simply by abiding. As you are abiding, remaining in Christ, and he in you, and the Spirit of God fills you, you're able to do what the Scripture 
asks you to do. We can only do what God asks us to do when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, directed and uh, led by the Holy Spirit, and when we're abiding in Christ. When we are doing those things, we're able to do these things. (laughs) We're able to not quarrel, be kind to everyone. And then it says, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Anybody have any difficult people in your life? <laughs> like, like, depending on the season, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But God has got a plan for us when we're encountering difficult people. His plan for us is that we would walk through those seasons with those people with grace and with love. Not that we don't have boundaries in our lives, but we have grace and love. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth, verse 25. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Listen, if we're not abiding in Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit, we're easy pickings for the enemy. We're easy prey. The Bible says that Satan's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So if we're not abiding in Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit, we're easy pickings. He'll be able to distract us, tempt us, get us down the wrong path. But God's plan is that we would produce that fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things that God wants to do, uh, helping us to work as unto the Lord uh, as we abide in him and as we're filled with him, being good workers, turning away from evil, doing life with like-minded people so that we can help them be good workers, so that we can help them turn away from evil, so that we can do life together and get to heaven together and take as many people with us as possible. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up. I'm going to invite the worship team, and we're going to worship. And uh, if the Lord's doing a work in you and, and um, you feel like the Lord's got your attention about something, Pay attention to what he's saying as we worship. And then after the worship, as we get ready to close up the service, we're going to have a, a, wor- a prayer team up here to pray for you. So if you'd like to get prayer, that team will be up here after we worship. And uh, so, Lord, we just want to thank you for this time. Thank you for the worship team that leads us in song and in worship before your throne. Thank you for your word that instructs us. Thank you for your spirit that guides us. Thank you for the opportunity to abide with you as you walk with us, Lord. We love you. We thank you. We're so grateful in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship. Stranger to the 
morning, Lord. As we go, Lord, I just ask you to just keep your presence about us. I mean, your presence is with us, Lord, but keep us aware of, of what you're doing in our midst and, and what and what you'd have us do, Lord. And uh, we just ask that you'd keep us accountable to serving you and living our lives for you as we go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And uh, like Steve was saying, if you guys, if anyone, if you're feeling a tug on your heart from the Lord, like Please don't be shy to come forward. We have people, prayer teams ready. We'll do it. Okay. We'll see you next week.